bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another week. Bet the game, 750thegame.com. He's Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. And we're getting ready for yet another uh, week of college football, NFL, sports betting. How's the wallet feeling right now, Zach? I'm not going to lie to you, Judah. Last weekend was probably the worst weekend of college football betting for me this season. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, you're going to have those weekends. Uh, the NFL, I, I kind of forget if I was, I was either 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two last week in the NFL. Overall, I've you know been pretty good there over the last three to four weeks. College, not so much, but we're going to bounce back. And again, I, I post all my plays on Twitter and I've been doing a little fun experiment this year, just kind of tracking my picks over the course of the year. And I, I think currently right now I'm right around 53 and 54% for the year. And it's a pretty large sample size, over 100 picks. So you know, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you're shooting for with picking against the spread is generally around that 50. What, what What's the threshold you're looking for to be able to turn a profit given all the the average minus 110 juice and all that. Yeah, they say if you're betting the same amount every single time consistently, it's roughly like 52.5, 52 point something, right? And then you're turning a profit if you're doing that. Professional level, anything above 55% is really, really good, like spectacular. If you're up to 60%, I mean, that's pretty much unheard of. Uh, people will claim that they're hitting 60 plus percent, but... I really doubt it. Be careful. <laughs> it's very, very hard to do. That's just there to sucker you in, man. Yeah. Seriously. I take a guy seriously what he's saying. He's hitting a perfect 53. Yeah. <laughs> then he's got my attention. Right. A uh, lot to talk about on uh, this show. College football playoff rankings revealed for a second straight week. We'll get to that, plus the betting lines and leans and plays for Oregon, Arizona, Oregon State, ASU, Georgia, Auburn is a big one. Duck fans will be watching that game. Iowa, Minnesota, Baylor, Oklahoma, and a bunch of the NFL as well. But first, with the college football playoff, this is top of mind. We decided to put it to the front end of the show. Uh, right now, after LSU beats Alabama, you have LSU number one. What a game that was, by the way, with Joe Burrow absolutely going off in Tuscaloosa. Oh, my God. <laughs> I watched it with the lady friend, and she's not a big football fan. Both of our eyes were glued. For that entire game. That says something. That says something, man. <laughs> when when he, you got your lady yeah, exactly. that focused? Yeah, she's asking <laughs> questions. I love she's so curious. She, she wants to learn. It's great. But uh, the way Joe Burrow played, the way both running backs played in this game for Alabama and LSU, that was a fantastic game to watch. But I, I'm so glad LSU won that game. Me I think too. it's good for college football. I think it's good for the playoff. I think it's good for conversation. But by, by winning and by putting them 46, they're number one. Ohio State's number two. Now you have Clemson rising to number three. That was inevitable. And now number four is Georgia. Bama five, Oregon six, Utah seven, and Minnesota after upsetting Penn State is number eight. I think that's a fair place to go to. We could talk about the Big 12, but we do think for all intents and purposes, they are out of the playoff conversation right now, just given the strength of the conference. Correct. 
But, Zach, we look at teams one through six now, and uh, there's a couple of conversations to be had. But first of all, in this market, a lot of conversation about the Oregon Ducks. And look at this. One spot removed from Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. We want Bama. We want Bama. (laughs) Compare and contrast the Ducks and the Tide, both on the outside looking in currently. Both one-loss teams. Mm-hmm. Yes, Bama plays in a tougher conference and tougher division, but the strength of schedule is comparable, and there is a legitimate argument to be made for Oregon if they finish with one loss and Bama finishes with one loss for the Ducks to leapfrog the Crimson Tide. I want to get in front of that conversation. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. And this is amazing that we're even comparing Oregon and Alabama. It's it's a rare moment, and we're going to have to really embrace this moment, Judah. Steer into uh, it. Really lean into this one, because the Alabama Crimson Tide, you know, we all know I've been just dominant, just dominant over the last decade or so. Nick Saban and company, they continue to do it. And now we're in a situation where you said it before, you said it off the air, Alabama has is going to have two less conference games than Oregon when it's all said and done. On top of that, they got a Western Carolina on the schedule here in November. I mean, what is that? When you look at those schedules, Oregon not only is playing an extra conference game, which they do every year compared to the SEC because the SEC schedules those weird games against high school teams at the end of the season, which I still have no clue why they're doing it. It's a different age of football now, and you need to schedule quality opponents if you want to have the committee, you know, supporting you at the end and getting you into that college football playoff conversation. Now Oregon is also going to get that conference championship game. Well, supposedly, we're assuming, but it looks like they will win out here. The last three games of the schedule, Oregon should take care of business. Starting this weekend against Arizona at home is a four-touchdown favorite. So we're looking at, the way it looks to me, Judah, again, we're going to have most likely a one-loss Oregon team if they can cont- and take care of business against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And we're comparing that to a one-loss, supposedly, Alabama team at the end of the year who is not going to get a chance to defend their conference you know, championship uh, in the SEC. So it's like, h- how do you read it? I think my opinion on it is the committee has to value conference champions here. I look at it, LSU's going to be in, Ohio State's going to be in, Clemson's going to be in. I think we're really just talking about this final spot right now. And if all three of those teams are conference champions and they're in, then you got to have the fourth one be a conference champion. And the Pac-12 has been overlooked for so long, and it is a quality conference this year, at least compared to the past years we've seen. Right, absolutely. And, and you mentioned it, but if Oregon, this is all predicated on Oregon winning out their last three regular season and beating Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. But if you're comparing that to Alabama by the end of the year, Bama will have only played eight SEC games. Mm-hmm. Oregon would have played 10. Yeah. If you include the conference championship, if they win 10, how do you not put in a Power 5 conference champion that won two more conference games than the team you're comparing them against that didn't win their own division and obviously didn't win their conference either. If that happens, if that scenario happens, I don't care about style points in this conversation. Oregon has to leapfrog Alabama, and I I really hope that happens. So that we, so the committee can prove themselves in that regard. There will be a national conversation. How are you putting in Oregon over Alabama? And a lot of that stands from what we've talked about before off the air. 
But let's be honest. If you did size these two teams up in a neutral site game right now, how would you handicap that line, Ducks and Crimson Tide? I think we're both in agreement that it's probably double digits for Nick Saban. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're being real, yeah, Alabama is the better team. Uh, But if we're trying to be correct... And it just, again, it just depends on, like, what is the committee looking for? Are you looking for, and, and I know everyone's been talking about this on every sports station, every channel, every radio show, but are you trying to get the four best teams, period? Or are you trying to value a conference champion and you're trying to see which teams are going to actually earn it year in and year out? And Alabama, quite frankly, look, they had their chance against LSU. They didn't do it. That right. was their chance. Oregon's going to have their chance against Utah. If they win, they deserve it, man. If they lose, well, they don't. And look, I think there's also, it call me crazy, but I think the College Football Playoff Committee certainly factors in possible TV ratings mm. and eyeballs mm-hmm. to screens with these semifinals that they put together. There, You could argue there's enough Bama fatigue now mm. by this point in the Bama dynasty, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. And Oregon really is a national brand. They really are. And they've got a stud quarterback that I I don't think it's fair to say that putting Alabama over Oregon to draw more eyeballs is accurate. I think Oregon could potentially draw more eyeballs into the four spot unless the counter would be, well, hey, if it's LSU 1 and Bama 4 or Ohio State 1 and Bama 4, Mm -hmm. I could see that matchup maybe drawing a little bit more intrigue just from an on-field perspective. But from a brand perspective, I think it's comparable in terms of audience to TV screens, this version of Alabama and this version of Oregon. Right. You know what I think is going to help Oregon in this whole conversation? I think... I think it's really their defense and how good this defense has been this year because in years past, the the conversation has been, well, you know, Oregon's talented on offense. They put up points, a lot of finesse style, right? But on defense, they just don't match up to those big boys in the SEC. But this year, Oregon's defense is one of the top defenses in the country. And in fact, they lead the nation in interceptions with 17. And I think the fact that they've been so good on the defensive front, I think that's really going to help them in the conversation when it comes down to it um, on whether or not they get in or not. How do Oregon fans look at Georgia? What are we rooting for with the Georgia Bulldogs Mm. at number four? Because here is Georgia's rest of season schedule. It starts this weekend at Auburn. That is a rivalry game. Then it's versus Texas A&M, which is, you know, obviously Georgia will be probably favored by 10 in that game, maybe. But it's Jimbo. You never know. Not a pushover. Not a a pushover. And then at Georgia Tech, that's a pushover (laughs) for right now. But how does Oregon fans kind of look at Georgia? Because the worst case scenario would pretty clearly be Georgia wins out and Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game beats an undefeated LSU because then it will likely be Georgia like two LSU four mm-hmm. Clemson in there Ohio State predictably right. in there then there's no more room then we're in trouble then you're in trouble yeah. right and, and because you got to put Georgia in there and a one loss LSU yeah. team and now, you now you're comparing Oregon to LSU yeah at that point that's a tougher comparison to make than Oregon Bama mm-hmm. if it comes to that so yeah. you got to be rooting for Georgia to lose yes. at some point maybe in the SEC title but you can make an argument that it's this weekend at Auburn. Yeah, if it's sooner, that's cool too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> whenever it happens, <laughs> whenever it happens, I, I said it. You know, weeks back, right? I wrote about it. Georgia at fourteen to one odds. I, I said they were the best. They're the most valuable uh, future at that point in time after they lost to South Carolina. Now they're ten to one odds. They control their own destiny. 
you know, I was looking at their schedule upcoming at that point, and I realized that. I was like, well, Georgia lost, but they're not out of it. They have this unique situation where they can still win the SEC East and be a one-loss team, and if they beat an LSU or a Bama there, there's no way that they're not in, right? So Georgia is the team we need to worry about. I think, and we'll get to this. We'll get to this game when we get to it here, because we are going to talk about this game. But I really think Auburn can pull this one off this weekend. Boy I've been, Eagle. I've been looking into it. I've been looking at the local Auburn Gazette, whatever, just the <laughs> local papers. I've been scouring it, and uh, I feel good about the Tigers this weekend. All right, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, plenty more college football playoff conversation to be had in the weeks to come. Uh, But let's get right into the college football lines now for this week, Mm -hmm. starting with the Oregon Ducks. They are at home. Tough, tough TV window, man. You're looking for exposure. You're looking for to to make a national impression this time of year. Unfortunately, the Ducks somehow stuck in the 730 time slot on ESPN this Saturday night, laying 27 in this game to the Arizona Wildcats. Arizona's been up and down this season. Uh, how do you kind of go about I'm not sure where the total's at. It has to be in the 70, 70 high 60, 68 and a half 68? right now. Okay. Yeah. 68 and a half and a, and a spread of 27. And the Ducks got to win. They got they got to look impressive doing it this time of year. Yeah, I mean they do need to look impressive. They don't need to win by I mean, if they cover the spread, it's going to look good. We talked about that, too. If Oregon can not only win their final three games but cover the spread, that shows dominance. And we want to see a a number 6 team in the country be dominant when they need to be down the stretch here at the end of the season and peak in that Pac-12. Well, I guess you want to peak even later than that if you're expecting to go to the playoff. But you want to be playing your best football right now, uh, point in case. So... Oregon, they opened up as a 24.5-point favorite. It's now up to 27. Totals kind of stayed put right there. Now, let's let's remember last season, right? Oregon came off of that Washington State loss, uh, college game day. Then they traveled to Tucson, and they got absolutely destroyed. 44-15 to in Tucson. J.J. Taylor just embarrassed them on the, on the ground game. 212 yards, 30 carries. But this season is different, Judah. Arizona, they started out pretty good. I mean, they were looking like they were competing in the Pac-12 South, but now they've lost four in a row. They've been they've been allowing an average of 47 points per game in their last four losses in a row, and they've allowed 41 points or more in six of their nine games total. Oregon, on the other side here, they've been averaging 43 points per game over their last four games, and the biggest thing is we've been getting a boost from our guy, Juwan Johnson. That's been huge. Oh, man. Last game against USC, seven receptions, 106 yards, three touchdowns. We saw what that guy can do, especially in the red zone. He is a monster of a target in the red zone. I don't think we necessarily need him to do or to put on that kind of performance this weekend. I think Oregon needs to just go out there and pound the rock. Um, The good news is they get guard Dallas Warmack back, right? He missed the USC game. C.J. Verdell, Cyrus Habibi, Lakio, they're all healthy right now. So that that bye week was huge for Oregon. Uh, I expect them to come out in this game and look really, really good. I will be there at the game. That's right. So, birthday weekend. A, a birthday weekend. And uh, the last time I was at a football game, it happened to be the 49ers-Panthers, and I'm a 49ers fan, and we know what happened there. They destroyed them. So <laughs> I expect the same in this one. I got my boy Steve coming up. Shout out to Steve from the Bay Area. That's my boy. 
Um, but yeah, Oregon, their defense, I mentioned it before, they lead the country in interceptions. They lead the conference in sacks per game, almost three sacks per game. And now they're going to be facing Arizona in sort of like a two-quarterback system. Someone was saying this week that whoever performs better in practice this week will get out there first, but they're planning to play Khalil Tate and Grant Gunnell in the game. I'm not a big fan of two quarterback systems unless it's something, you know, to the case of uh, Florida this year, which I actually like what they're doing with Florida. Um, but to get to the point here, I think Oregon rolls in this game. Arizona is 124th in yards allowed. They're 126th in points allowed. They fired their defensive coordinator, promoted Chuck Cecil before that Oregon State game, and Oregon State went up and put 56 on them. So my best play in this game, Judah, Oregon team total over 47.5 points, and I'm leaning on Oregon minus 27. Wow. How about that? Over 47.5 points. points, points. Yeah, that's that's big. That's that's a high total. But if Oregon State can do fifty six, Oregon can do it. Oregon can do it, especially at home. All right. Speaking of the Beavers, they are taking on Arizona State. Uh, tough loss for the Beavers on Friday night last week against Washington. Not the game flow I anticipated. I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate little points. I didn't anticipate the Beaver defense playing as well as they did against Washington in terms of a uh, overall point total. Mm-hmm. Even though Savan Ahmed. Ran for a lot of yards, kept them decently off the scoreboard. Oregon State not moving the ball, not scoring. That surprised me a little bit. I didn't think Washington was going to be able to pack the defense as well as they ended up doing. Now you got Arizona State, a team that's faded a little bit in recent mm-hmm. weeks. Weren't able to get it done against USC at home. Now they come up to uh, Horvalis in what is Oregon State's final home game of the year. The game opened at pick. Now it's ASU minus two and a half in this game with the uh, total resting at 57. Yeah, the money's coming in on Arizona State here. Uh, it looks like it opened as a pick. And uh, yeah, and now it's you know all the way to two and a half uh, in favor of Arizona State here. Oregon State, you just mentioned it's their final home game of the year. They've had a very impressive season. You know, let's, let's look at it. Vegas gave them two and a half wins. They're already at four. Four, right? Four or five? Four. They're at four. Four, four wins, yeah. yeah. Almost got five. They have a chance to get five right here. And I mean... Let's be real. Oregon State has played above expectations this season. They're a team that has been trending up. They've won three of five, and they played tough against Washington. I mean, it was low scoring. I certainly wasn't expecting that either. But the Beavers are 6-3 and three against the spread this year. Arizona State, on the other hand, they're trending down. They've lost three in a row. They're 3-5-1 and one against the spread. And... They've been kind of inconsistent, and I expected Arizona State to get that win against USC last weekend at home, and they just didn't do it. And I just don't know how—I don't know where their head's at right now, but I do know that Oregon State is feeling confident, and they are at home. And I think they look at that Washington game, and they feel like, man, you know, we played them tough. We played some solid defense. Jake Luton wasn't able to do too much. He only passed for 88 yards against Washington. So, you know, he's going to try to have a better performance in this one. Um, Arizona State, in the ground game, Eno Benjamin should have a chance here to really shine. OSU allows 192 rushing yards per game. But Eno has struggled in their last two games. He's only put up 46 yards against UCLA, 52 against USC. So if Oregon State can come out and, and shut him down, uh, and and kind of leave it to the Arizona passing game to win the game. I think that's going to benefit them a lot. 
Jamar Jefferson and Artavis Pierce, I, I want to see them get going for the Beavers this in this game. Uh, Jamar Jefferson coming off that injury, he went for three touchdowns in his first game back, but he was shut down against Washington. So if he can get a good, ga- good game going on the ground in this one against ASU, who's the 18th best rushing defense in the country, um, that's going to be a good look for them, and I think they need to rely on that. I'm going to lean on Oregon State here, plus the points. More of an emotional play because Oregon State has played so well this year above expectations. Again, their final home game, they're trending up. ASU's trending down. So this is more of an emotional play for me. I think I think Oregon State shows up to this one, and I think ASU not so much. So I'm going to lean on Oregon State plus the points here. Quickly on UCLA, Utah, this line stood out to you. Obviously, on the field, there's a physical discrepancy between the powerful Utes and the Bruins who have struggled at times this year. But look at this Bruins team, man. I mean, they are surging as of late. They are winners of, I believe, four straight or three straight going into this game with Utah. And it's a three-touchdown spread in Rice-Eccles Stadium. You like UCLA in this game. Yeah, yeah, I have kinda, you cooled off a little bit? Yeah, I, yeah, not so much anymore. I've I've looked into it, Judah, and at Uh-oh. first, at first, I was thinking UCLA and the points, and I'm not going to say that I'm I've totally switched to Utah laying the points, but I'm going to say that I'm staying away from the spread in general. I'm looking more at the total. Yeah. Um. Quick notes on this game: Utah's won five in a row since their loss to USC, but UCLA has quietly won three games in a row as well, and they're they're pro- they're improving. Uh, UCLA, a team that they've rushed for over 200 yards in five straight games for the first time since 1978. So Chip Kelly, he's got something going there for that offense. Joshua Kelly, Chip Kelly and Joshua Kelly, spelled a little differently. But uh, Joshua Kelly's been an absolute animal. This guy's been averaging 155 yards a game, seven rushing touchdowns during their, their winning streak, during their last three games. So that's extremely impressive, but he'll be going against Utah the best run defense in the country. They only allow 56 yards per game. They're also the best scoring defense in the Pac-12, only 12 points per game. And they're the best in total defense in the Pac-12 as well. They've held opponents under 100 yards rushing in eight of their nine games. So it will be a tall task for Joshua Kelly. And as we know, Utah's in that number seven slot in the uh, college football playoff rankings. So... You know, I mean, they're they're obviously trying to get some style points here, just like Oregon is. And man, imagine if they had beaten USC. Imagine if where would Utah be? I mean, that's one of the man, questions I think about. Like, they'd probably be, man, yeah. If they were undefeated to this undefeated, point, would they be number four? Yeah, I think. I so. think they would be number four. I mean, that'd be better for Oregon. I mean, yeah, it'd be way yeah, better. You'd have to be able to beat them, and then yeah, exactly. Yeah, it geez. all comes down to that game anyway. Isn't that funny though yeah. that I bet USC in that one game that they lost, and I actually cashed that. You bet USC. Remember that? Remember that game? And I bet Utah. Yeah, that game. and that was God. the one game. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I felt it. Uh, I think it was because Reggie Bush was in the building with Matt Liner and company. That's right. Uh, but back to this game real quick here, Judah. I'm looking at under 51 and a half. Um, let's look at this real quick. The most points Utah has given up at home this year, 17 points. That's it. To Northern Illinois. That was the most points at home they've given up. They're allowing only six. They're allowing 6.6 points per game at home this season Jeez. compared to 17 and a half on the road. And the under happens to be seven and two for Utah games this season. Um, and their last two home games where they were large favorites, it, it went under the total. So I'm going under 51 and a half in this one. We've already seen it drop from 54 to 51 and a half. It might even have dropped even further at this point. But 
My best play in this one is under. Play the under. Big game that we had mentioned at the top. Georgia-Auburn. Rivalry game with uh, these two squads. Georgia's played pretty well since the home loss to South Carolina early in the year. They already find themselves in the top four now in mid-November. And the Bulldogs are laying three or two and a half in some places as they go to Auburn, Alabama with the total opening at 45 and a half and then quickly going under down to 41. So Georgia laying three on the road to a rival and the total at 41. You had mentioned where you lean with this, but kind of set the scene for us. Oregon fans in this market are certainly Auburn fans this weekend, not only to make the Oregon loss look a lot better, then it uh, it already looks pretty good as yeah. far as losses are concerned. But amplify it even more and then get Georgia out of the playoff picture. Oh, yeah, this would be this would be huge for Oregon fans. We're, we're huge Auburn Tiger fans this weekend. At least I know I am. And I like Auburn, man. I told you before. Uh, let's, let's look at this game a little bit deeper here. So Georgia looking to become the SEC East champs for the third year in a row. Auburn looking to stay in contention for a, a major bowl game and can spoil Georgia's season. Last year, Swift ran for 186 yards and a touchdown. They put up Georgia put up 300 yards rushing as a team against Auburn. So, and I think it's a little bit of a different story this year. We know Auburn's defensive front is very very good, arguably, you know, maybe one of the best in the nation. They got a lot of seniors returning. Uh Georgia last year really just kind of took it to Auburn. They won 27 to 10, put up over 500 yards of offense. Auburn was only able to scrounge 274 yards of offense, and they dominated in time of possession. I think that's really crucial, especially in SEC games uh, where they're really looking to pound the football and play good defense. 38 minutes to 22 minutes, Georgia dominated that game. So we know Auburn's going to come into this one hungry. Gus Malzahn, at the beginning of the season, I was mentioning how Gus Malzahn is pretty much on the hot seat, and had he lost that opening game to Oregon, his seat would have been much hotter. Um, he had his chance against LSU, and they lost 23-20. to But, I mean, look at it. 23 points, man. You only gave up 23 points to that LSU offense. Joe Burrow, who's putting up gaudy numbers, who's breaking all kinds of records, might be single-handedly the best passing performance by a quarterback in college football history. Some people are saying that. Amazing. So, for Auburn to hold LSU to just 23 points in that game, that says a lot to me. This total... On the other hand, I mean, opened at 45 and a half, dropped all the way to 40 and a half now. I'm not looking at it currently. It might have even dropped further, but I don't imagine it going too much further down than 40 and a half. Both of these defenses are really good. Auburn third in the SEC in scoring defense. Georgia ranks second in the nation in scoring defense. They only allow 10 points a game. Wow. So this is going to be a defensive game. There's going to be a lot of running the football. And Auburn... What it really comes down to for me, guys like Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson on the defensive front there, uh, those are the guys that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look at closely in this game. They're seniors, uh, Javaris, uh, Javaris Davis, Jeremiah Dinson. These are guys that were on the same Auburn team back in 2017 that beat number one Georgia, and then a few games later beat number one Alabama. Wow! In the exact same season, so these are guys that have already done it. Now they're seniors, and this is an absolutely huge opportunity for them. 
And for Gus Malzahn, I mean, this is just a crucial, crucial stretch for him at this point in time, a pivotal stretch in his tenure if he wants to continue to be Auburn's head coach. Uh, my issue, I guess my concern for Auburn is Bo Nix. Uh, you have, on one hand, you have Georgia's quarterback. You have Jake Fromm, who has been in a national championship, right? He's played Alabama. He's been on in the big games, on the big stage. He's performed. You have Bo Nix, who has really been inconsistent. He's had good games. He's had really bad games. Statistically, not really that impressive. So will Bo Nix be able to rise up in the moment here and be able to do enough if Auburn's defense can help him enough, if they can force turnovers, if they can control the clock, time of possession, that's going to be crucial for them. But all in all, Judah, I like the Tigers. I like them plus three. I like them on the money line. I think Auburn's going to pull this one off. Ching, ching, ching. That's what we like to hear around <laughs> her. about this Minnesota team? They pull off that huge upset over Penn State mm-hmm. at home. What was that line at? Six and a half? Yeah. By the way, a couple six and a half point dogs winning outright in LSU in Minnesota last week. True. I mean, definitely have all the respect in the world for Vegas. Yeah. And to be honest, I was kind of leaning Penn State in that game, but the LSU one, I, I had me scratching my head a little bit. When I no, when I <clears throat> when I woke up that morning and I looked at that line, it was now it was Penn State minus seven by the time kickoff came. And the Penn State minus seven price went from like minus 105 to even money. And then it was all the way up to plus 110. Once it got to seven? To seven. It was up to like they were begging you to lay seven with Penn State. They're like, please, 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 please play Penn State. I mean, just putting that price up, you're getting plus money with it. And when I saw that, I knew I was done for. I had Penn State in a parlay and I knew I'm done. I'm done. So just, just based on that little. Subtle movement of the line late. Just that, seeing that price at plus 110 for laying Penn State, I knew, oh my God, I'm in trouble here. Like, there's something I'm missing. And as I watched that game unfold, I realized, wow, Minnesota has two, like, first-round NFL-caliber wide receivers. And this team is very, very well coached. They're playing great defense. Antoine Winfield Jr., oh my goodness, this guy is an animal. I mean, they just have all the pieces. They're they're very they're a very collective group. They're very uh, they're like family. You know, you could just tell it's one of those teams where they just have a very strong bond. And it reminds me of that Clemson team, uh, the year when Deshaun Watson was there and Hunter Renfro. And I remember Dabo at the end of the game just saying, you know, they're asking him like, what what did it for you guys this year? And he was like. I mean, not to get too emotional here, but he was like, it was love, man. It was love. Like, we just love each other. And and that's the kind of feeling I get from this Minnesota team. It's just a special group. Wow. So we'll see. Well, it worked out for him last week. It did, yeah. This week, it seems like a tough spot. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. it. It's a really tough spot. This is the week, just in terms of, like, putting your finger on the pulse of the dynamic around these teams. Mm-hmm. This is a week to celebrate Minnesota being eight in the playoff poll. This is the week to celebrate the debate if Minnesota should be higher than eight in the playoff poll. Because it's only going to last this week. I just feel it in my heart. Yeah, That's the biggest win of that program's history for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're not even favored this week, I know. So it's hard to say that, oh, this is you know the flat spot when they come out. <clears throat> they haven't won in Kinnick Stadium since 1999. Mm-hmm. All right. Iowa is laying three points at home to the Minnesota Golden Gophers coming off a huge, 
Huge win over Penn State. I've already kind of sold out where my position is on this. Is there an under that's at play in this game as well? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, no, I'm actually with you. You know, all that being said about Minnesota being a special team, you know, Goo Gaga, that's all great and all, but... Well, I, that, well that's I, how you get a huge win like that's that. That's how you... Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. They they kind of peaked right there, and I agree. You know, Tanner Morgan was great. That guy was so efficient. I mean, he's he, he became the second quarterback in the last 20 years to have multiple games in a season with 90% completion percentage, minimum 20 passes. The other guy was Jameis Winston. So... Very, very impressive. This Minnesota offense has scored at least four touchdowns in every game. They're averaging 37.6 points a game, 433 yards per game. So, I mean, you can say you can say a lot of things about Minnesota in their season. It's been great. But Iowa, you're right. They're at home, and there's something to be said about this line opening at two. Now it's three. Minnesota hasn't won there in 20 years. And look at Iowa's conference losses. They're three losses on the year. They were all to ranked teams, and they were by seven, five, and two points. So Iowa was right there. And here's the, here's the big thing for me, Judah. Let's look at a common opponent in Penn State. Iowa held Penn State to just 294 yards of total offense, only 117 yards passing. Minnesota, although they won, they allowed 518 yards of total offense, 340 yards passing. So Iowa's defense played much better. Iowa allowed 20 first downs. Minnesota allowed 25 first downs. Iowa allowed 3.3 yards per rush. Minnesota allowed 6.1 yards per rush. The reason that Minnesota won the football game is because they won the turnover battle. Plain and simple. They had three interceptions. Penn State only was able to force one turnover. That's the difference in the game. Iowa against Penn State, they turned the ball over twice. Penn State didn't turn it over at all. Again, what do you know? Turnover battle ends up you know, paying dividends. So Iowa, in my opinion, is the better defense. They played better against Penn State, but turnovers killed them. So I think Kirk Ferentz and company, top 20 rushing defense, passing defense, scoring defense, total defense, you name it. This defense has only given up 12 touchdowns on the season. That's third in the nation behind Ohio State and Georgia. Uh, they have a top 10 passing defense, and now Minnesota's wide receivers that I mentioned, Bateman and Johnson, combined 88 receptions, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns on the season, will be facing their biggest test on the road, and I think Iowa gets them. I'm going Iowa minus three, but you mentioned an under. I kind of like the under as well. I like first half under 21 and a half. You can get that half point there. Play the under. Gotta love that. All right, the last college game of the uh, weekend we got to get to is Baylor and Oklahoma. Not a whole lot of respect for Baylor, at least in the uh, eyes of the college football playoff committee uh, coming in here. They still haven't yet to lose a game. The offense, you think of high-flying offense with Baylor because of the uh, Art Bryles days. Um, Matt Rule's offense just hasn't really been very high-flying. Hasn't been very yeah. productive. That being said, they're finding ways to win ball games. They won every one this year. Oklahoma now coming into Waco after barely eking one out against Iowa State and not looking all that dominant doing it. Now you got Oklahoma coming into Waco. They are laying 10 points on the road against the Baylor Bears, total at 68. Where do you side on this game? Oh, man. See, I don't have as much on this game, to be honest, as the other games, but it is a very interesting matchup because Baylor undefeated. They're number 12 in the country. Oklahoma, a team that I expected to be in the college football playoff, and I think a lot of people 
are upset because I think a lot of people wanted Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts to face Alabama in the playoff. <laughs> that would have been something to watch. Um, but Oklahoma, they kind of disappointed me last week. You know, yeah. they that was just that was just uh, I didn't expect that. You know, they were two touchdown favorite, ended up almost going into overtime. Uh, what did they win? Forty three, forty two, or something yeah. like that. I yeah. mean, that's just that's crazy to me. Yeah. And that Oklahoma defense that we thought was really you know, just a lot really improved this year. All of a sudden, they're giving up 40-plus points to Iowa State. So, you know, I know it's Brock Purdy, and he's Purdy, and he does his thing. And But I don't know, man. I think these it's an interesting line, 10 points. I feel like it's so enticing to grab that 10 points with Baylor as the undefeated team. But I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma covers the spread here. It looks like the money has come in on Oklahoma, open nine and a half. Now it's 10. It might even be further now at this point. Uh, I I kind of, I expect points in this game. I expect these teams to be going all out. Oklahoma needs style right now because they're a one loss team. They're not getting respect. They're not getting the respect that the Pac-12 is getting. And we know Jalen Hurts' work ethic. You know he's going to be prepared and ready for this game mentally and physically. Oklahoma is winning the all-time series 25 to 3, by the way. Wow, that's crazy! That I is. didn't know it was that, you know, that uh, um, that much in favor of Oklahoma. Yeah. But Oklahoma is averaging forty-eight point four points per game, and Baylor's only allowing nineteen points per game. That's pretty surprising to me too. So all of a sudden, Baylor's playing some good defense. I I don't even know where to side with this game, Judah. What are you thinking? Because I'm going to leave this one to you because I don't have a strong play in this game. I hesitate to uh, to fade Matt Rule. I'll just say okay, that. Okay. Okay. Especially yeah. at home. Um yeah. I don't I, I think Oklahoma wins. I guess I'd have to side on Baylor covering okay, yeah. in this game. But it's just about them. I mean, Oklahoma, yeah, they they gave a lot of points to Iowa State, but the their defense still has dudes. Mm-hmm. They still have dudes on that defense, Oklahoma mm-hmm. does, and it's still an improved unit despite the Kansas States, despite last week. It's still a pretty improved unit. It's probably a stay away from me in the end. But if I'd lean, I'm going to lean Matt Rule 10 points at home. All right. I'm going to lean it with you then. <laughs> Baylor plus the 10 and Oklahoma wins. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, baby. 98% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> what a quote. <laughs> the Brian Fantana edition. Of NFL best bets. Are you an uh, Anchorman guy? Yeah. You yeah. got to be. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course I'm a fan. Love that. We uh I need I need just better juju, man. I gotta I gotta switch it up. <laughs> to be fair, last week in the NFL was kinda nuts. Yeah. And so was the week before. It was. It's just really hard to get these games right, man. I mean, even if you were to pick every single game against the spread, it'd be hard to go 500. That's how many. Mm-hmm. I mean, dogs are alive and well this year, more so than most years. Uh, it's just really hard to see these these right. Now, I think we both went one and two, I think, last I week. I think so, yeah. But um, me in particular, I've had a string of one and two showings. Time to get back on the horse. Time to get back on the horse. All right. Got a lot of good games uh, this week. Well, yeah, actually a handful of good ones. Um, that I'm looking at on the schedule right now. But, Zach, I'll go ahead and see to you. Every week we talk about our three best bets that we are going to make on uh, the NFL slate. Where do you begin? I I like some dogs this weekend, Judah, and I don't have a super deep analysis, but this is, but this is just kind of coming from my gut and based on what I've seen. 
And I'm the first play that I have in front of me right here is the Houston Texans plus four on the road at Baltimore. Yeah. I think this is a matchup that people are really, really excited to watch. You know, you got Deshaun Watson, you got Lamar Jackson, two of the most talented dual threat quarterbacks in the fo- in the National Football League right now. Two guys that are, you know, still kind of in, in the MVP race. Lamar Jackson, Jackson, of course, in the MVP race right there with Russell Wilson. Um, these athletic quarterbacks are getting a lot of, are making a lot of noise this year. And I just think there's too many points. The Houston Texans are a really talented team. And the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they've been hot. But I I just see this as being kind of a back-and-forth game. I see it being high-scoring. The total has gone up a good amount so far. I think it was opening around 50. Now it's 51-and-a-half. And And I like the over as well in that game. But my first play here is I'm just going to just plain simple take the Houston Texans plus four. Four is a lot of points in the NFL, and I believe Deshaun Watson can get it done. There it is. Plus four. With the, uh, gosh, where'd my drops go? (laughs) (laughs) Plus four. Take the Texans. I'll be the drop. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, you'd make a good drop with that. You know, with that voice. Golly, man. Not a whole lot I like, dude. Yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot I like, but, ah, man, because part of me wants to go New England, Philly, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are playing New England, coming off the, uh, the bye week, laying three and a half on the road, but I think Philly is trending in the right direction, so it's hard for me to do that. And, oh, golly, gosh, this is just tough. Just tough. But, all right, I got to pick something. Yeah. I got to pick something. All right, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Minnesota, laying 10. Shoot your shot. To, to 10 for it. Got to shoot the shot. Shoot the shot. Um, I just think Minnesota, they have a bye after this week. I don't think it's a look ahead to the bye. I think it's, hey, let's take care of business. Let's kick some ass. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. They're playing well. They are 7-3 uh, and three now after the big win in, in Dallas over the Cowboys. So I think they, they take care of business, uh, laying the big number of 10 against Denver. That defense against that offense led by Brandon Allen. I like Minnesota's chances at home. Hey, you, don't, you don't believe in Brandon Allen? I think, exactly, <laughs> honestly, you had a really good analysis of, of yeah. Denver-Cleveland a couple weeks back with uh, Denver covering the first half spread. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on the money. I think Allen is probably a, an upgrade slightly over Joe Flacco. Yeah. But uh, on the road against that defense, it's a little bit of a different story. And the uh, Vikings offense is clicking enough run and pass and red zone or I think they can cover that. Right, and I think I think Kirk Cousins low key is is one of those MVP bets that you know is not not a bad long shot bet at this point in the season. He's been putting up numbers. You just you just hope the regression doesn't come. Yeah, at some right, point right. because and, you know he stubs his toe. Yeah, uh, in prime time every so often we are aware. All right, yeah, number two for you. Number two for me. Um, I have two plays in this game, and I'm trying to decide which one I like better. But it's the Saints and the Bucks. And we know we. I mean, we saw the Saints uh, last weekend. They kind of they didn't play too well against the Falcons. Man, I mean that was that was surprising. Drew Brees, not a great performance. The Fal- but it, you know it's one of those things where the Falcons and the Saints they have this this rivalry going. Yeah, but at the end and, of the day, it's one and seven mm-hmm. at seven and one, mm-hmm. and the seven and one teams laying thirteen and a half. Yeah, and they lose twenty seven to nine. Oof, ugly. How does that happen, man? That was one of my best bets. I know. The other way. I I can't explain it. It's the NFL any given Sunday, I guess. Uh, It was just one of those games. So, and a lot of people like the Falcons this weekend, too. Again, you know, on the road at Carolina. I'm not so sure. I'm going to stay away from that. But 
Um, what I like in this, I like Tampa Bay. You know, I, I like them plus five and a half. I think it was at six and a half at one point. It's you know, money's been coming in on the Bucks. The Bucks. I, I've seen the Bucks beat the Saints before. I feel like they just have that formula. Their their pass defense is atrocious, but you know, so obviously Drew Brees can can go off on them and have a big game. But that's why I also like the over in this one. I just think the Saints don't perform as well outside of the dome. And I think in Tampa Bay, this is a good spot for the Buccaneers in this in this situation. Um, I think I like the over a little bit more, over 50. Uh, I think there's going to be more than seven touchdowns, or maybe there's exactly seven touchdowns, a couple field goals. But I like Bucks plus five and a half. I like the over, but I think officially I'm just going to take the over because I do think that Breeze, after that awful performance last week, their offense just couldn't do anything. I think they get it going in this one. Uh, but I also think the Bucks keep up with them. So over 50. Over 50 in that game. All right. Uh, one I will go with. Oh, golly. All right. I'll go. I'll say Nick Foles comes back in a good way, getting plus three on the road at Indianapolis. Um, you know, I'll go ahead. I love Indianapolis because of Frank Reich, but mm-hmm. between Jacoby Brissett's status against that defense, Brian Hoyer won't do so well either. But right now it's plus three. I will take Jacksonville and Nick Foles' return to cover that number and might as well. I mean, if you're going to cover that, you're, I know extra points always play different, especially yeah. in an Adam Vinatieri game. I'll take all the yeah. uh, points I can get with how shaky he's been. So, I'll, oh yeah, Jacksonville plus three is the official play. I like it. I, I love it. I, I was looking at Jacksonville too, and I really, really? hope. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. No, I was. I agree better. with you. I agree. I, I think Nick Foles. I know it's his first game back, but I think he. I think he performs well. Um, sorry that the the Minshew era is kind of coming to an end, but. Um, Jacksonville, uh, I really hope Nick Foles performs because I have him in fantasy and it's it's a must-win week for me in fantasy and I Oof. need Nick Foles to step up. So, praying for that one. Chip Kelly just got hired by the Jaguars as their offensive coordinator. Is that... Yeah, <laughs> I was like, is that breaking news? <laughs> now UCLA's improving too much. He's going to stay. Yeah. Um, my final pick, Judah, I'm going to go to Oakland. Yeah. I'm going to go to Oakland. The Bengals, the Bungles, I mean, they're, they haven't won a game. Uh, and the Raiders have been impressive this year. They've they've really, really been playing, you know, above expectations, at least above my expectations. I'm impressed with them. They're at home. Uh, what is it? Uh, Finley? What's his first name? Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, Ryan that's right. NC State. Ryan Finley. I just, sorry, bud. I just don't see him doing it. Uh, I like Josh Jacobs here getting it going on the ground. The Bengals defense is atrocious. They can't do anything offensively. Raiders, lay the ten and a half. Book it. And for my final pick, I'll go to Mexico City uh, for the Monday night game. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the uh, Chiefs, lane three and Okay, half. okay. Don't love the defense, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to at least traveling to a neutral site game, I don't know. I don't like Anthony Lynn's ability to get his team ready to go on the road. I know... A lot of extra rest for the Chargers here, playing mm-hmm. on the previous Thursday night, now playing on a Monday night in a game they kind of have to win. But I think the Chiefs are pissed. I think Mahomes is pissed. Yeah, I think he's a little bit more healthy. Mm-hmm. I think the defense will be ready to rock. I think they were going to play this game in Mexico City against the Rams last year, and then mm-hmm. it got, you know, the field conditions moved it back to L.A., and we ended oh, up getting yeah. that crazy Monday night game. Right. Now we get them in Mexico City this time around. I think the defense will have a fire lit under them. And uh, I think they'll they're able to get it done, laying three and a half in Mexico. Love it, the Chargers. Love it. And I'm just gonna throw in here my underdog parlay of the weekend for you guys in the woof, NFL. Woof. 
they're barking. I think the dogs are barking. And like I said, I like I like the Texans plus four, but I'm going to give you guys a three-teamer here. Texans, Jaguars, and Buccaneers. Woo! That's a 17-to-1 payout. So if you want a little dog action, I suggest looking at that one. Our boy Josiah Carrera has got to be all over that. Ooh, yeah, he does. He's yeah. all into small parlays. Loves that. Loves that. He put 10, win 180, essentially, 177. So The yeah. dollar parlay man himself. Yep, yep. Book it. Zach Book Schlegel. it. All right, man. That's another uh, juicy pod in the books. Covered it all. We'll be back next week. I'm excited. And uh, college football playoff action is really heating up right now. Let's go, Ducks. Let's go, Auburn Tigers, baby. Ducks and Auburn. <laughs> Let's go. We'll catch you next week on Bet the Game.